Namaste. This is Farhan Israeli, the producer of Drishti Point Yoga Podcast. Drishti Point has been recording podcasts since 2006, and we have over 300 podcasts that we are currently uploading to this site and others. Please be sure to visit our website, drishtipoint.ca, for the top 100 podcasts. We hope this podcast will nourish your mind and open your heart. Namaste. And today is part of our listeners' membership drive where we invite listeners who uh, listen to this show and to other shows to call into the station and show your support for how much you love the programs that we have here on Co-op Radio. And the number to call is 604-684-8494. And the diverse programming and the shows that we produce, the content of the shows that we produce, whether it's music or political shows or interviews about yoga, are some of the reasons why we invite you to call. And today we have Michelle LaBelle on the line. Michelle, are you there? Hi. Oh, great. And uh, Michelle LaBelle is a yoga teacher based in Vancouver, and she's been practicing yoga for many, many years. I'll, I'll let her give a little bit of a background about her, how long you've been practicing teaching. And our topic for today is to follow your bliss, which is something that you made the decision to do in becoming a yoga teacher. Is that right, Michelle? Yeah. In 2003, I changed my career from being a respiratory therapist in sales and um, I made the decision to uh, follow my bliss and go down to California and do a yoga training in Encinitas, California. And then I also did another training here with Sandra San Martino. Oh, Sandra San Martino. She is a great yoga teacher, very well known in Vancouver, and also founder of Yoga Outreach. Yeah, that's right. And with Yoga Outreach, um, her inspiration of bringing yoga into so many different communities in Vancouver really, really touched my heart and inspired me, and I taught yoga at the Burnaby of Secure for about six or seven years with the teens there, which really fulfilled like a true passion and purpose in my life. Now, there's lots that I'd like to ask you just in the short time you've, you've answered that question. You know, was there, um, what was it that actually inspired you to take, to go to California and take the program? Was there a pivotal moment in your life? Is it that you were looking for something new or was there an event that kind of sparked that change? Well, there was definitely uh, a series of events and after working in the medical field for about 16 years, I realized that um, I had a, like, almost like a physical manifestation where my body was physically telling me I had like severe, severe abdominal pain mm-hmm. where I had to go to emerge a couple of times and um, and it was just like my body was telling me I needed a change and I was super, super stressed and in the environment that I was working in there was, you know, there's been a lot of talk about bullying this last two weeks with the very sad death of Amanda and um I knew that I needed to do something different because I felt very challenged at work um, with a couple of the staff. And so once I went um, into that place where my body was being in so much reaction, I knew I needed to do something different. And had you been practicing yoga prior to that for quite a long time? I hadn't practiced as much as 
physical asanas, but I've been uh, practicing meditation um, since probably about 1996. And the inspiration for the yoga actually came from Paramahansa Yogananda um, to that component of meditation. And that was where I actually did one of my yoga trainings, was in Antonisa, California, where Yogananda wrote the autobiography of the yogi. Mm, that is such a brilliant book and such a classic. I always, I always recommend people to read that book because it's such a beautiful book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then this weekend, actually, at the seed event, I was actually at the booth um, speaking to people about Yogananda and self-realization fellowship in Vancouver and the experiences that I've had um, not only in California in my training but also on some of my yoga retreats um, and my own um, search and visits in India at some of the ashrams affiliated with Self-Realization Fellowship. Mm-hmm. So you kind of went into the classical way in terms of meditation first and then the, the hatha, the um, asanas second. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I did. And when you when you were taking the program, were you taking it mostly for yourself or because you actually had an idea that you wanted to switch careers and switch tracks? I knew that I needed to do something different. And so it was really about switching um, uh, a different focus in my life. I'd been doing a lot of soul-searching. I'd done a lot of personal growth and development in terms of work. Um, and and it just seemed like um, a fit. The year in 2002, I had gone down to do a silent meditation retreat in Encinitas, and uh, I needed to get a physical practice. So I did go to yoga class there, and it's almost like I had this message. I knew that I needed to follow that dream or follow something that was leading me to do that. And did you find through taking the teacher training that it was part of your your own healing to your own healing physically and emotionally? Yes, completely. You know, if anyone out there is thinking of doing any kind of a yoga training, I would recommend it. Even if it's not really to become a yoga teacher, it deepens and it heals so much. And I'm, you know, I'm a strong believer that yoga heals so many different aspects of our lives, not just on the physical, but on the mental um, component as well. And um, in the training, I did receive some, um, on many levels, healing that I am still to this day so grateful for yoga. Every day, every day I wake up and I say, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that I have yoga in my life. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have yoga in my life. Yeah, you know, I agree. I agree. It it amazes me every time how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. Um, now, can you give some examples of um, how how it it was healing for you personally? Um, when I think of my yoga training itself um, in California. I did a hot yoga practice, a synergy yoga. Mm-hmm. So just the physical component of being in a hot room, at, you know, 40, between 36 and 40 degrees, um, you sweat. Mm-hmm. You're sweating a ton of toxins. And, you know, it just feels like you're run out of the stuff that needs to come out of you, out like through your pores and out through your organs. And um, 
what I really also enjoyed was the, the concentration. Being able to concentrate for one hour, one hour and a half, on on different postures and asanas, and letting go through a focus and through the breath in the different poses was um, unbelievably healing. Yeah. Did you now concentration? You know, did you find that the practice uh, that that how a physical practice builds concentration also supported and deepened your meditation practice? Oh, no question. No question. And, you know, when I did my first um, teacher training was a 10-day consecutive um, series. And um, when probably on day 8 or day 9, I would wake up in the morning and I would do uh, my own meditation practice. And sometimes at the end of a couple of the classes at the end of the day, I could hardly speak because I was in such a still, still place in my my mind. Mm-hmm. And I don't think up until that point I'd ever really experienced anything like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very interesting how a physical practice, I think, is a really essential component of a meditation practice also. Yeah, they, no question. Yeah, they definitely complement each other. Mm-hmm. And um, was it an easy transition for you to then come back to Vancouver and work as a yoga teacher? Well, it took time, just like anything, building confidence and building um, a series of uh, places or locations where you're going to build, like, you know, eight years ago, there weren't, I don't know, they say today, now there's over 400 yoga studios in Vancouver. Really? <laughs> Pretty wild, yeah. Wow. I know. But back then, there weren't as many. And um, I just rented a little space and started teaching, um, you know, five to six, seven people. And uh, I have to really thank uh, Gloria Latham for giving me my first yoga job in a yoga studio. And I met her on a plane coming back from Europe, and uh, she gave me my first job teaching kids yoga. Mm. So I'm really grateful for her, and and being able to uh, practice regularly and build, like I said, but my confidence over time, that I really found the locations and my students where there was a fit for the type of yoga that I teach. And tell us a little bit about what it is that um, that you teach, like how you would um, describe it to people who are new to yoga or even people who have tried many different kinds of yoga. Mm-hmm. I teach, I guess, a classical type of hatha yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my passion is teaching um, a more gentle approach to yoga. Even though I have a, a, a foundation in a hot yoga practice, I tend to, I guess with my personality, um, feel that taking it a little bit slower, taking the breath to a deeper place, just like Sandra taught me and many of the other teachers, to come to a place of really being grounded in your breath. Um, you know, having that ability to come to your breath through yoga class, in one yoga class, I've had different students tell me that they've been able to practice um, some of the techniques that I share during the yoga class to help them through 
uh, hard time. And an example of that last week, I started teaching in an alcohol and drug rehab program, more of a restorative yoga class. So just easy, gentle stretching and being on the floor with some props and stretching from one side to the next and always bringing breath to the body in different places of the, at the body. And I, sh- I shared with her to come back to a place where she could feel her breath underneath her nose and above her upper lip. And uh, when I went back on Sunday, I asked, did anyone use any of the techniques that I shared? And she said she did when she had a meltdown during the week. And you know what? That makes my heart melt. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like in one class, I can share something that one person can, can take away and make a difference for them. I know I've done my job. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'd lo- I'd like to um, talk to you more about the different kinds of people that you teach classes to, because I think there's probably a lot that you can tell us about. Because you teach kids, and you teach adults, and you teach adults in different settings, all different, all the time. There were a couple reasons that you should call in, or you can call in to renew or buy a new membership. Today is our membership drive, and you can call six. And we are on the phone with Michelle Abel. Michelle, are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Great. Um, Michelle, you know, before the break, we were talking about, you know, the the joy that you get from teaching and the difference that it makes in people's lives. And I know that you teach so many different groups of people. I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit about what it's like to t- teach kids yoga and, you know, what you love about that. Well, being with kids is really about having fun. So even today when I was teaching in the after-school program in Vancouver, you know, I found myself getting serious, and then right beside me, I always have something like tools. Um, so I have a little uh, pet um, hand puppet that's called Sammy the Seal. So through using Sammy the Seal, I can get the kids to do almost anything. <laughs> <laughs> they listen to them way more than me. <laughs> and so being able to um, just have fun is the most important thing. Just like for parents. Parents are so stressed. And so it's just to remember to come back and have fun with the kids. And so one of the little girls knew all the names of the postures and was kind of help, helping lead the group. And so we were following her lead with Sammy the Seal and just had fun doing it, right? So, that's the key. That's it. So, I guess it just brings that that playful aspect that kids naturally have, that spontaneity and laughter. It just brings that to you also as a reminder. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, at the end, you know, the first thing I asked them today, what they enjoyed about the last last week was the first class. I had them all lie down on their bellies, and this is what I'd love to share for anyone out there. When you're stressed, it's just to have the kids lying on their bellies or yourself, and then the kids can do it for you. And you just gently step on the person's feet, very gently, just on the balls of the feet, and you just kind of knead the feet. And it's something that instantly puts you into that relaxation state, and it, you remember it, and it feels good. Mm, I see. So kind of like a foot footsie massage. Uh-huh, exactly. They love it. <laughs> yeah, and kids are so tactile. They're so, they love touch, and they're naturally that way. It's, it's nice to, 
to have to bring that back into you know also in the adult world. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A- and you teach, you've taught for yoga outreach, and you probably also teach on your own as part of your own business in different settings. I mean, outside of a studio setting. Can you tell us about some of the? Di- you know, you mentioned Sandra San Martino at the beginning and the way that she brings yoga to people who might not have access to yoga. And can you speak a little bit about what that experience has been like for you? Mm-hmm. So um, I went into Bernabeu's Secure and started teaching a 45-minute program to girls. So they were teens between 12 and 18 years old. And then I taught separately on the same night on Sunday nights to boys. And once again, it was really uh, a gentle focus, happy yoga class, mm-hmm. and um, just stretching and relaxation and bringing that essence of also um, aromatherapy. And it gave them, the kids, the teens, an opportunity to just have some downtime and an opportunity, like Sandra always teaches us, to come back to our breath. And one of the, my favorite things that she would say in class is, I am being breathed by my breath. My breath breathes me. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful one. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful one. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, what did people, res- what did the teens respond to? What was their experience of yoga? Because, you know, there are certain, I think there are certain stereotypes or myths about yoga Maybe because we all often associate it with the images we see in make glossy magazines or something like that. But what was people, the the teens that you taught, what was their experience of yoga? Right. Well, they definitely don't come in to the yoga class with their Lululemon clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I have anything against it because I have some. But, you know, they come in with essentially um, track pants and track suits. And so they're really comfortable, and it's it's not a competition in any way. And so it's really an opportunity to come to the yoga mat with an opportunity to um, to focus. Like I come back to always to the breath, and then there's some aspects of the physical component because a lot of them, you know, being in physical good shape is important so I do bring some strength and core stability balance um, and flexibility into all the classes so I would kind of tailor it to whoever was in the class at the moment and um, and then I would always do like I'd have a standing series and then a floor series of different yoga postures that I would do but inevitably most of the kids who would leave it was a choice. Most of the kids were there present in the class. It was a choice for them to be there, so they would stay for the 45 minutes. And, you know, not only would they say they would, number one, feel more relaxed, they, they gave themselves an opportunity to have some downtime. Mm-hmm. They were able to come back to a place where they felt safe, even in the group setting, and, and share something that was empowering to them. I would encourage them to continue to do yoga outside of um, Bernabeu Secure. And sometimes I would actually see some of the kids and and I would ask them and they would have continued it, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the other big thing that was noticeable is that on Sunday nights when I would come in, the staff there 
would definitely see a change in the kids in terms of being more peaceful and definitely way more calm at the end of the 45-minute class. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I, you know, one of the things that I find myself with yoga is that it seems to rewire my brain and mm-hmm. interrupt, you know, old patterns of thinking. So I imagine for for people who might be habituated to thinking in, in ways that might not uh, honor their highest the highest qualities in them, it, it can really help to interrupt those patterns and reprogram new ones. Mm-hmm. No question. Because when you do practice yoga, you are actually creating new neural pathways into your brain. And just like you're um, saying, it's that that's why we feel better. When we do practice yoga, you're practicing um, a relaxation to, to stimulate your relaxation response so that your parasympathetic nervous system is activated. And when you do that through your breath, through breathing through the back breath, then that's when you can clearly think much more um, uh, uh, conscious, well, not consciously, much more calmly. Now, you know, we started this interview with the theme of follow your bliss. And, you know, I imagine there's a lot of people who would like to maybe take the path that you've taken in terms of becoming a yoga teacher and, and doing something that you love to do. And, you know, what what words of advice would you say? And do you think it's still possible to have a, a, make a living in the field of yoga and is it getting more difficult in Vancouver? Is it getting more competitive or what's your feeling for, you know, or advice for new people who are entering the market? I think, you know, what I did when I got into um, a change of career, I actually did an entrepreneur program at BCIT, which was extremely helpful to give me a business sense of what it is to start a business. So that gave me um, a a heads up of what it, it would take. But I also had a part-time job on the side, so I also teach CPR, and I recertify some of the yoga teachers in the community as well. And and having something that you can fall back on is a really good idea. So even though, you know, to some of the new yoga teachers who are saying, this is my path, this is all I want to do, the reality of it is sometimes, you know, as a yoga teacher, you're not making the money you know, as consistently as you might have in having a full-time job because you're working an hour here or an hour there. Mm-hmm. So definitely having something in your back pocket that gives you some security because you do have to make a living and you have to pay the rent and you have to put food on the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you have a passion like I do, I need to travel to be able to continually look for my searches of what what fulfills me and... Um, doing what I love to do. So doing yoga and travel is definitely something I love to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd like to ask you more about that. But we, we're we back on the phone with Michelle LaBelle of Azure Yoga, and one of the things that you love is travel. And tell us how you've been able to integrate that into your work as a yoga teacher. Well, I have known a dear friend, uh, Helen, from Sacred Earth Journeys, who does journeys around the world and one day we were sitting down and and just chatting and I said, Helen, what do you think if I did a trip to India and brought in the yoga and she her eyes lit up because she'd been wanting to do an India uh, trip and um and so we just sat down 
started a, a basic itinerary, and then I kind of knew specific places I wanted to go back to to bring people where I had been a few years previously. And so together we created a wonderful itinerary, and um, my first trip to India with the group, it took 18 people to India. <laughs> and uh, we did northern India, and uh, it was a trip of a lifetime for anyone who came on that trip. Wow. And, you know, it's a yoga yoga travel India trip. It's, it's mm-hmm. yoga-themed, right? It's yoga-themed, but there's also um, a component of visiting sacred sites, um, you know, always in India, the shopping. <laughs> <laughs> and the food, you know, like in northern India, the food is so different than in the southern part of India. So yes. it's just you experience the culture in a different way. And being in Rajasthan and, and uh, you know, uh, experiencing the markets and experiencing the people and experiencing the sights and the sounds and the, the smells of India... Absolutely, absolutely unforgettable. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And what are some of the places that you always love to go back to on your trips to India? The, tri- the places that really um, stand out for me are um, Haridwar and Rishikesh in northern India. Mm-hmm. And, and Haridwar is along the Ganges. Yes, both both little towns are right on uh, Madhukinga. Mm-hmm. And um, Haridwar means the gate of, of God, actually, gateway to God. And um, Varanasi, where the you know in the morning you go out on the boat and you watch the sunrise and you see the morning um, gaps where the burning uh, gaps are. There's um, a sense of spirituality where still the the yogis and the, the, the rishis who meditate, the, the real ones who meditate and have a sense of humility and really live their lives by by their their words. You know, it's not about the, the material component of living our lives, even though we need to have our comfort. And in India, it seems a little bit easier to do that, but there's a sense of spirituality that you can feel in the air. And in 2000, I went to the Mahakuma Mela in Allahabad. Mm-hmm. And that was where, over a period of three months, 17 million people visited the sacred sites of the Three Rivers meeting. Yes. And, and another Kumbh Mela is happening in this January. But tell us a little bit about your experience at Kumbh Mela. Was that a group trip that you went on or just a personal one that you went on? It was a personal one, mm-hmm. and uh, I had um, gone with my um, partner at the time, and, um, you know, it's almost even hard to put words to in the morning as people are waking up, and, you know, there's like, you see the energy particles in the air, and the people coming in droves as a pilgrimage, like people go there once in their lifetime to pray with all these people in very spiritual uh, dates that mm-hmm. you go and bathe into the Ganges. But to be there with all those people, um, you're definitely sensory overloaded. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's like you're there together. And it's, it's uh, absolutely magical is the way I can describe it. 
You know, I was at uh, Kumbh Mela in Haridwar, I think it was a year ago or maybe three years ago, I don't remember. But one of the things that struck me is that people would come there and set up their camp and they would have nothing, like no no, no bed or anything like that, but they'd have an altar. Every Every tent, every person that had a little thing had an altar and, and would have the fire and they'd be making offerings to the altar. And it was just... So reverent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's that experience that you had of, of the devotion is what you experience as an outsider, and it's like you have a window of, of seeing or being and experiencing that. I also had that same kind of experience of that when I was in Bali last winter, where I was teaching and I ran a yoga meditation retreat center in Northern Bali mm-hmm. and the devotion of the staff who would pray three times a day with the incense, with the food and at all the different corners of the property and they would finish in the kitchen and I, I really, really, you know, wonder and, and noticed that the food tasted way better there than I've ever had food anywhere on the planet. <laughs> and I'm sure it's because they prayed. They prayed over the food. They prayed on the land. Yes. You know, that sense of devotion and coming back to prayer, not just in time of need, but in times of just honoring. Mm-hmm. And as part of a daily practice. Completely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you don't just do retreats in India. You've traveled to other parts of the world. Is that not right? Mm-hmm. And for November 11-11, I went to Tahiti on the island of Morea, and I'd been there a few times, and probably about three years ago, I was there for Anissa's wedding, and from that time till I went to Tahiti for November 11th, last November, I kept seeing on the clock 11-11, whether it was in the morning or at night, I'd see it once or twice a day, and I knew <laughs> there was a message. And so again, with with Helen and Secret Journeys, we created an itinerary to do a yoga retreat in um, in Tahiti in Morea, and um, and there was a, a place, a fixed place, on the mountain, and where we we did the meditation, where there was a waterfall, and it was guided by uh, a Tahitian um, a teacher, and. Everyone who was there essentially got a message, a message of their lives for for being present there. And, you know, every day I would pinch myself, we'd do yoga on the beach and then have breakfast, and I would just wonder, like, is this for real? Is this really happening? Wow. Yeah. That's, that's such a, um, you know, just the, what you've described about what's, what's come about as a result of following your path and sticking to it and making the change that needed to be made is great inspiration for other people, I think, that uh, such a beautiful life is possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's also, you know, it's, it sounds very, it is very um, uh, glorified and absolutely beautiful and to be in the South Pacific to do a yoga retreat. But you know what? It's like being on your yoga mat. You know, 80% of being on your yoga mat is showing up. 20% is the work. And so when you, when I'm organizing and creating and promoting any of your retreats, you know, I'm promoting and, and sharing with people the gift of going on a retreat. It's like a gift to your soul, a gift to your spirit to get out of your normal daily environment and routine and, and do what it takes.
it takes to do something to make a shift to bring that essence of bliss and um, and connection of what's really 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 truly important in your life. Mm-hmm. And you've done that, and uh, it's so wonderful to hear that it's working so well. Thank you. Now you have a retreat that's coming up very soon. Is that right? Mm-hmm. On uh, November 16th, 17th, and 18th in Whistler, uh, near Whistler at Brew Creek Lodge. And um, people can go to my website at www.newnew.azuryoga.net, azuryoga.net, without the E in Azure. Oh, as you are. As you are yoga. Uh-huh. Uh, now I get it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm collating it with an amazing person, Anurag Gupta. Mm-hmm. And together, we're going to do um, interactive, dynamic, uh, uh, guided meditations, uh, movement, breathwork, relaxations, and just looking at what it is to follow your bliss. What is it that has you dream of being exactly what you've always wanted to do? Mm-hmm. That sounds That sounds perfect for people who are at a transition point in their life or really needing to renew their life. And uh, this place, uh, Brew Creek in Whistler? Brew Creek Center. It's 10 miles south of uh, Whistler. Mm-hmm. It's only 90 minutes from downtown Vancouver. And uh, it's uh, the intention behind the owner who um, who started Brew Creek Lodge has now has this wonderful focus of people actually apply to do uh, retreats and workshops there, and if you're aligned with their mission statement, then you um, have your opportunity to teach there. And it's a beautiful room with skylights and windows, and you're in a, a beautiful forest. Um, I hear the food is made with absolute love, and, a, and you know, one of the first things I ask are, are the beds comfortable? Because <laughs> that's always important. Yeah. So food and coming together with like-minded people to have an experience of an expanded sense of self is an absolute gift. And you walk away with connections with people that you might have friends as friends for the rest of your life when you go to things like this. And that sounds like a, a fantastic um, retreat that you're offering. And uh, so you, the website is new.asyouareyoga.com. Is that right? Dot net. Dot net. Mm-hmm. New dot mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. You know, it was it was such a pleasure and such a coincidence. We ran into each other <laughs> on Saturday and we were yeah. talking about how it would be great to have you on Drishti Point. And then last this morning, actually, I got an email that the guest we had scheduled to have wasn't available, and I think it worked out perfectly. I so appreciate this time, Sarah. Really, really. I, I wanted to finish with, there's a saying by Barry Bratforth that says, the trail is the truth, and the journey is the de- destination. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. The trail is the truth, and the journey is the destination. Mm-hmm. Very nice. I want to leave that with you, and I thank you so much, and and I just appreciate everything that you do as well in the community, so thank you. You're welcome. It was so lovely to have you on, and hope that your retreat, you know, you find many, many people to come to your retreat and that they're very receptive to all that you have to offer. 
So thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care. Okay. And uh, for those of you who just tuned in, you're listening to Drishti Point and some more reasons. We're going to play for you some more reasons why you can renew your membership or if you aren't a member, call and take out a membership for Co-op Radio. Namaste. It's far again. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to visit our website, drishtipoint.ca, for the best of the best Drishti Point podcasts. If you like this podcast and want to support our work, please consider becoming a Drishti Point member or making a donation of any amount to support the work we do to spread the light and love of yoga. We wish you health, happiness, prosperity, longevity, and vitality. Namaste.